Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Thanks, as always, to AAA for making it possible for us to road trip down to Atlanta, stopping in Bucky's probably twice on the way down, and then the varsity once we get there. Joining us now as part of the road trip to talk about the Colts and the Falcons, our friend from 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, John Chuckery, joins us. John, I'm going to get right to the burning question, which is we had heard some discussion at the beginning of the week that Atlanta still was perhaps uh, unclear on who their starting quarterback was going to be. It appears as though it's going to be a guy that beat the Colts a year ago in a different uniform. Uh, who's going to be under center when things begin for the Falcons this weekend? Yeah, it's Taylor Heineke, and that's been announced, and he is listed as number one on the depth chart. So they have made the move to bench Desmond Ritter for the second time, and Taylor Heineke will start a quarterback. Does that in any way change Atlanta's like scheme or their approach or the style in which they play? Is it any curveball for Indianapolis? Even though I know there's tape on him and they've they've you know he's played before, but uh, does it change the way they play versus what they try to do with Ritter? You know, I don't think so. I mean, look, we've we've been down this road before. And my personal opinion is Taylor Heineke doesn't give them any better chance to win this game. Look, their identity is still to run the football first. They have the second most rushing attempts in the NFL. They led the league in rush attempts last year. Their bread and butter is to run the football and then go off a play action from there. So I don't think it really changes anything, but – there comes a point where when your quarterback turns the football over at the alarming rates that Desmond Ritter did, you have to do something. Now, it's not really a it's not really a an ideal situation for a Taylor Heineke, but again, at some point you you have to do something different than what you've been doing. John, when you look at this roster, especially offensively from afar, Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, a lot of people look at that and say it's a lot of playmaking weapons that are available on offense, but you mentioned the struggles at quarterback and just struggles as a whole with this team. How much of that goes on Arthur Smith, and what is the gauge locally in terms of whether or not he is the guy for this franchise in the coming years? Well, you know, if you take the pulse of fans, it's about 95. Well, let me put it like this, 98 to 2 that uh, everybody wants him gone. Now, the owner has come out and said, and he did a re- an interview here recently, look, they'll evaluate everything and they'll let the season play out. And I get that. If you, if you know Arthur Blank at all, he's not going to just knee-jerk reaction. But folks are done, you know, as a fan base with Arthur Smith. I mean, there is, listen, the, the lack of creativity at times in the red zone is maddening. Um, I think they do some good things on offense, but – you know, when your quarterback has six turnovers in the red zone, that just is bone crushing. Like that just is just a snap of the spine because you can't overcome those kinds of things. And and when you have a quarterback that turns the football over, and the crazy thing is with Ritter is that he didn't turn the football over in the four starts that he made last year. I mean, there were some plays where they were turnover worthy throws, as the metric says, but he didn't turn the football over. 
Well, he's got the fourth most turnovers in the NFL right now, and he's got six red zone turnovers. Those are just crushing things when your offense is already struggling to score. When you, when you have a quarterback that turns the football over at that kind of rate, you just can't overcome those kinds of things. John Chuckery is our guest, 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. We're talking about the Falcons and the Colts. Before we get more nuanced into what we could see or what Indianapolis wants to try to exploit with Atlanta, John, I'm curious of this because I think you know the Colts certainly went through this with a few years, obviously with one of the guys that, that Atlanta comes into play with here in Matt Ryan. And by that I mean this. You know, John, you've seen a lot of it, of the NFL it takes forever sometimes to find a franchise quarterback, and you kind of get stuck into that rotation of guys, you know, like Heineke or the different veterans that can come through before you finally find a franchise guy. Did Atlanta think that Ritter was going to be a long term solution, or was he just a younger filler, if you will? And have they seen enough now to make that determination either way? I think they thought in the building that he could at least for a few years be the solution. Um, There was a lot of chatter last year about why didn't he play more? And and frankly, the coach kind of came out and said, and, and, you know, a little bit, a little bit of it was off the record, but he wasn't ready to play. I mean, they didn't feel like he was ready to play early on last year, but I think they thought that he could get them through a few years. Now, again, there are very few 14-year quarterbacks that start and only miss three games the way that you know Matt Ryan did. But I brought this example up on my show. Think about the Cincinnati Bengals. They went 30 years between quarterbacks who could get them to the Super Bowl. I mean, from Boomer Esiason until you had Joe Burrow, they had, they, and they had the number one pick, they had the number four pick, the number three pick. They invested all those picks in quarterbacks and never got anywhere with it until they hit with Joe Burrow. So, again, it's extremely hard to find those guys. But we've been, you know, some people have been spoiled because, well, you see Pat Mahomes or you see this guy or that guy or or Josh Allen, you know, and they're like, well, they're the AFC championship game and all then winning Super Bowls. Yeah, but those guys are few and far between. I mean, and it's just hard to find a guy that can come in and transform your franchise. But if you don't have one of those guys – you're going to be stuck in the mud and the muck and the mire and spin your wheels round and round. You know one guy, and actually there are two of them, that come from at least played high school-wise and grew up in your area, I think maybe not suburban Atlanta, but in the state of Georgia, in Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I think with Lawrence, we know he is going – obviously he's going to be the long-term guy in Jacksonville. We'll begin with him. Do you think, because it applies to the Colts, do you think Trevor Lawrence is in fact – going to reach like the Peyton Manning level that was expected of him expected of him of the number one or is the inconsistency going to be part of his game all throughout you know he's got all the ability to do that but part of it is also you know who you surround him with what what organization you know that you're in I mean again when you start off with Urban Meyer as the coach down there in your NFL tenure you're already behind the eight ball right I mean so Again, sometimes, you you know, you can't overcome some of those things. And, you know, even John Elway, you know, again, he thrived under Dan Reeves, but it didn't really become a Super Bowl quarterback until Shanahan got there, right? I mean, so, you know, again, sometimes you have to have the right organization and the right pieces and parts around him. 
I think Trevor Lawrence is a fantastic quarterback. He's from Cartersville High School, you know, here in the state of Georgia. But, you know, again, if you don't have some of those other things that are around you, then uh, and not just players, but your organization, you can never really maybe get out of the mud in some of those situations. Would you take fields if Chicago parted ways? No. I, I, I think Justin Fields is a highlight-making quarterback who doesn't win games. You understand – Desmond Ritter has the same number of wins in one season, one full season in the NFL, as Justin Fields does in three. They both have eight wins for their career. So, again, I know Justin Fields is a highlight factory, but is their organization better? Like, the the Bears organization isn't any better. I'll tell you this year, Montez Sweat has had a bigger influence on the Chicago Bears than what even Justin Fields has. And and you have a guy that – will miss four or five games, it's hard to overcome those things. And I know he's a dynamic player, but he hasn't transformed the franchise that he's with. What makes anybody think that he's going to come down here and do magical things for this franchise who already people don't want the coach and don't want the GM and want the owner to sell the team? Like, again, what's he going to do that's going to transform this franchise when we're already in the muck and the mire? John, I know that the Colts as a franchise are not going to take Atlanta lightly, but I'm sure the fan base can't help but look at last week's game and see a team that only scored seven against the cellar dwellers that are Carolina and end up losing that game to them on a field goal at the horn. What happened in that game? Were you ever able to figure that out in the days that followed? And why should the, the Colts fear or be worried about Atlanta this week outside of the obvious fact which is they're still technically playing for the South well what happened last week is you have your quarterback that throws a, a, a horrendous interception when you're driving down deep and you're in the red zone let's say that let's say he just throws the ball out of the back of the end zone okay well again you line up kick the field goal and now you're now you're now you have a spread where it doesn't matter what Carolina is going to do they're not going to win the game at that point. But you throw a red zone pick, and in Carolina, and, you know, again, the defense kind of failed them in this sense, but, you know, they, they drive it down 95 yards. I mean, they, they, they couldn't get a defensive stop. And, and Bryce Young is out there shot putting the football. You know, again, he's not throwing it. He's shot putting it at times. And they couldn't make a stop. And, and, you know, you lose the game. And, you know, part of why they only scored nine points is because they took a knee at the two-yard line twice just to run out to bleed the clock down because they knew they only needed a field goal. So from that standpoint, I mean, again, another red zone turnover and the defense can't make a stop. Now, look, defensively, this team has been good. They're the second-best red zone team in the NFL and the third-best third-down team. So what they've been able to do is bend but don't break. And even when teams are driving on them, they have found ways to keep those teams out of the end zone and hold them to field goals. As long as they can kind of play it close, if the Falcons can find a touchdown here or a touchdown there and kick a couple of field goals, they feel like defensively they can keep these games close and find a way to eke it out at the end. John, tell me something. John Chuckery is our guest from the game in Atlanta, 92.9. Tell me something that the Falcons do that is uniquely Falcons. In other words, if you're Shane Steichen and you are sitting down with your team right now you're saying, guys, here's one thing they do that, that they do better than anybody we've seen this year or we're going to see. That one thing would be what? 
I think their depth at running back. You have B. John Robinson, you have Tyler Algier, who was a thousand yard rusher last year, and you have Cordero Patterson. And they can come at you in waves with running the football. Again, I said they were the, they led the NFL in rushing attempts last year. They're second in the NFL in rushing attempts this year. They can come at you in waves. So they have three running backs that can accumulate yards, whether that's Algier and Patterson up the middle or Bijan breaking it around the outside. So they can mix up their running game as well as anybody. Um, you know, again, they can go inside or go around you. But that's the thing that they rely on is the fact that they're a run-first identity type of team. They had the highest percentage of running plays in the NFL last year, and they've tried to balance that out a little bit more, but they can come at you in waves in their running game. Okay, other side of that would be this, John Chuckery, and that is when it comes to scouting Atlanta, Indianapolis is licking their chops over the fact that Atlanta's biggest Achilles is? Um, the idea that they you can move the ball on Atlanta's defense – they don't allow you to score touchdowns, but you can move the ball from 20 to 20 against them. So you can accumulate yards against them defensively. But again, they've been bend but don't break. They have the second best red zone defense, like I said, in the NFL. They don't give up a lot of touchdowns. They've only given up five rushing touchdowns on the season. So they don't give up a lot of touchdowns, but you can definitely move the football against them. John, another question for you that has nothing to do with this Colts-Falcons, but I'm going to do a buy one, get one since we have you here, okay? We are a couple of months away here in Indianapolis for the first time since 1985 of hosting the NBA All-Star Game. I think people got mm -hmm. a sense of the magnitude of it when they saw the ticket prices that sold out like very, very quickly. But Atlanta's had two of them in the last 20 years, one of them just a couple of years ago. I assume that you are around for it. Um, just in terms of the flavor, the event, the excitement, the buzz, tell me what people in Indianapolis should anticipate and what they may be surprised by or, um, you know, just come to expect with the All-Star Game coming here in a couple months. Well, I think that the All-Star Game has, again, evolved with the skills competition and some of the other things to really, it is a week, a week, a full weekend of events and, and, you know, again, in Atlanta, you know, the, the NBA is a, believe it or not, in Atlanta, the NBA is a strong brand. Like, the, the, the Hawks are not necessarily a great franchise, but the NBA brand, that, that the Hawks, or I should say the, the city of Atlanta, a lot of ways, it is a basketball town. Like, there, there's a lot of diehard basketball fans, especially with the NBA, because the college teams have not been very good. But there is a real dedicated fan base to the NBA in Atlanta. And, look, Atlanta's a party city. Um, people flock from all over the country to come to Atlanta. It's easy to get into. So it, it's really become just a, a whole weekend filled with events. And, you know, that's the thing about the All-Star game now is, you know, it's, it's more than just the slam dunk contest and the three-point. Like, they do a lot of different things that go on with the rookie game and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's, it really is a full weekend of events. So it, it's a lot of fun. If you ever go get a chance to go to one, I would definitely recommend it. But uh, to your point, yeah, I mean, you're going to pay through the nose for, for those kinds of things. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun if you can be at some of those events. Is the, is the Varsity, I think is the name of the joint, the burger place in Atlanta, um, as, a, as a Georgian, do you go there a lot or is that just a tourist place? 
No, that's a tourist place. No, no, go. If, if you want the best burger in Atlanta, you go to the Vortex. So that that write that down for everybody. Go to the Vortex. The Vortex is the best burger in Atlanta. Um, it's just just in the Midtown area on Peachtree Road. That's the best burger in Atlanta. The the Varsity is a tourist spot, right? I mean, that's again, go look at the go look at the attractions and all that kind of stuff there. But people, you know, in Atlanta don't go there for the quality of the food. If you could only save one, Coca Cola, Chick Fil A, or the Varsity, which are you saving? Uh, Chick-fil-A. I mean, Chick-fil-A is an institution here now. Yeah. So, um, listen, we invented the chicken sandwich and, you know, we're, we're thank you. Of that fact, <laughs> thank you, but, by the way. No, know. thank you. I love it. Now, what about, what about yeah, the wings at Magic City? What about the wings at Magic City <laughs> Dance Club? Weren't those legendary? Yeah. I mean, the lemon pepper wings, I mean, it, it, it got Lou Williams out of the portal. I mean, so, you know, they, they must be pretty good. I mean, I don't know about, you know, everything else around it, but certainly the chicken wings were good enough to, pull a guy out of the NBA portal. So, um, again, um, you know, Atlanta has got several of those kinds of establishments around. So we're not, we're not lacking in those kinds of environments. So um, whether it's chicken wings or in the old days, it used to be the prime rib buffets uh, for three ninety nine at some of those places. Not that I've never been there, but you know, anyway, <laughs> That's but, what you uh, hear, right? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a, it's a great town for all of the, the kinds of things. You can do fun stuff, you can do family stuff, and then you can get into full, full-on slot debauchery. <laughs> I like that. Hey, John, it's always a pleasure, man. And certainly, uh, you know, whoever would have guessed, to be honest with you, whoever would have guessed back in August that we'd be discussing a game that has playoff implications for both sides, the Colts and the Falcons, but that's exactly what's on the line uh, down in Hotlanta this weekend. Do you guys say Hotlanta's at a tourist thing, too? No, that's that's a that's a that's a tourist thing. We 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 scoff at people who say Atlanta. I mean, yeah, ATL ATL is fine, Atlanta, but you know when people say Atlanta, we're like, oh, okay, we know you're out of town automatically. So you know, again, it's okay. it, that, that's that's the tourist thing. I so, mean, no, I'm not but, saying I'm a tourist, but I'm stopping at Bucks at Bucky's Rock City to, on my way to Atlanta, where I then go and get the lemon pepper wings. Well, listen, Bucky's Bucky's has become the phenomenon, you know, here in the state of Georgia. So Bucky's is definitely the place that look. You can load up at Bucky's. I I highly recommend if you're if you're going to go somewhere, stop in a Bucky's, and it's a glorified gas station, but it's unlike anything that you've it's ever unreal. seen. Like it's crazy how good it is. It's like Walmart and Disney World had a kid with yeah. clean bathrooms. Yep. It's yep. unreal. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, John, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank right. you. Again, John Chuckra, our friend down in Atlanta, uh, 92.9 The Game. I'm going to begin the Matt Taylor segment. Do we have any, um, do we have any of the Holly music from the other day, by chance? I can get it back. The wonderful background Christmas music. The, Matt- the, the first set that you played, that's important. The second set, was it felt too somber. <laughs> it was borderline we funeral upbeat, music. Right? Yes, correct. Because here's what we're going to do for Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and thank you to Shelby Materials for making this possible. The concrete and aggregate experts. That's right. We did a segment, and Matt wouldn't know this because, number one, he's a busy guy, and number two, he is a man of great intellect and, t- intellect and taste, meaning he doesn't listen to this program, but, if, but he would know that we did Santa Jake. Santa Jake is where you come. You sit on Santa Jake's lap and you tell him for your sports team what you need Santa Jake to deliver that is going to be the piece that is going to set the Colts over 
the or or in this case the Colts over the top, right? My mom's looking for a new hat right now. So Matt Von Taylor, Moore. my question for you is this, and I'll get your, your mom a new hat. You said no, no. I'm just saying we mentioned the Von Mar element to the piano That's theme that Eddie has going on. <laughs> I, I feel it. I'm, it's a time machine now. So Matt Taylor, I need you to sit on next to not on my lap next to i don't want to be too creepy here i need you to let santa jake know what you would need for the colts that is going to ensure for them a victory in atlanta but you have to begin with of course the request of well santa jake so that said go ahead well santa jake (laughs) thank you the the store hours are beautiful by the way right in my wheelhouse so i'm i'm able to beat the line so i appreciate that santa jake (laughs) yes sir yep um I need I need a healthy Jonathan Taylor. I need a healthy Michael Pittman Jr. I need Jake Browning to throw some picks against the Steelers. I need let's see, I need the I need the Chargers under an interim head coach to beat the Bills. I need Isn't this where you cut off the kid and say, Whoa, whoa, do, little do boy, need, that's hey, a lot hey, we're asking do you need, greedy now. Do you need Santa Jake to do anything uh to have any of his elves in Cleveland helping out? Brownie. I need I need Joe Flacco to play like it's uh, 2009 again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> continue to roll um, and uh, and beat uh, the the Texans. Uh, Trevor Lawrence still obviously banged up a little bit. Whether or not he's going to play in Tampa, Santa Jake, we're dealing with a lot of stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's listen, Matt. That's why I have elves, right? Like you've you've met Derek Schultz, right? Okay. <laughs> So, so Matt, here, let's let's get to this. Okay, the first question and request for Santa, um, Jonathan Taylor. Where do we stand in terms of the health and potential availability of Jonathan Taylor? Well, am I talking to you? or Am I talking to Santa? There's two, there's <laughs> two different answers there. I, I've I've put down the Santa hat, and it's, it's, we're back to radio now. Sorry, he's not real. I, I, he's not that, real. That, that is not true, Jimmy. Santa is yeah. absolutely no. I was playing. I was playing Buddy I the know, Elf, I'm seeing that you. No, Santa is real, but I was <laughs> totally. saying we've taken off the beard. From you Santa sit on Jake. a phone of lies. Exactly. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, this, uh, okay. is, this is this is this is unbelievable. I have two different answers because the magic of Santa will sprinkle some pixie dust on the right thumb of Jonathan Taylor and make him fine. That is true. That That's is true. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, no, but I mean Taylor's right now. He's he's out there practicing as we speak, going through his first practice um, since he had surgery a couple weeks ago. You know, got banged up in that late November game against the Buccaneers and uh, has had to shut it down since then. So. He talked to uh, reporters earlier this afternoon in the locker room and said that today is going to go a long way in, in deciding whether or not he can play on Sunday. Uh, whenever he's out there, whether it's you know this week, next week, whenever, um, he's going to be playing in a little bit of a wrap or um, you know not not necessarily a cast per se, but there's going to be some sort of brace or wrap that he's going to have to use on that right thumb. But uh, like I said, today is a really big day for him to uh, determine whether or not he can, you know, fully possess the ball, grip the ball and have no ball security issues, uh, be able to hold up and pass protection and things like that. So again, today is a a big barometer um, and a big hurdle to, to, you know, climb over to deciding whether or not he can play on Sunday. But 
Colts need them. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you got to tip your cap to Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson and what they did. But, um, again, Jonathan Taylor is just a, a different animal, belongs in a different bucket in terms of how talented he is. So um, to get him back would be enormous with three games to play. And, like I said, you're trying to stiff arm all of those other eight and six teams out of the playoffs and continue your, uh, your hold as the number seven seed in the uh, postseason pecking order. Where do we stand with Michael Pittman from a health standpoint? I think same thing, too. I think he's trending in the right direction. Um, he's still in the concussion protocol, but yesterday had the Colts practice. They they did list him as a full participant in their walkthrough. Again, that's an estimation of what they would have done with him had they practiced. Now, today, um, they're practicing in full, so you know, you'll find out in probably an hour or two what his status is for today, but I think he's out there practicing, and that's another good sign, which shows you that He's at least through a couple of stages of that five-step concussion protocol. Um, so, again, with his um, participation out there at all, limited-wise, um, yesterday, that, that tells you that he's at least you know, tracking um, you know, positively and has got at least a chance to play on Sunday, which is kind of crazy to say considering the, the ferocity of that hit. It was an illegal hit, obviously, from DeMonte Casey. But just you know, watching it all happen in real time, then slowing it down on the replays, it's just a really, really difficult hit, very, very hard hit. Um, so I think it's just really impressive that he's just, quite honestly, just has a chance to play on Sunday. Normally, you know, you get a concussion. It's, you know, the, the odds are the numbers tell you that you're probably going to miss at least one game. Uh, percentages are not in your favor if you get a concussion to come back and play the next week. But you know, having his uh, availability um, at least at this point you know kind of a 50 50 proposition is a good sign for the colts um and another good news is you know they had guys step up dj montgomery stepped up just like sermon and goodson so they were able to kind of you know hide those deficiencies last week but certainly you'd rather play with taylor and Pittman if, if you have the chance to voice the colts matt taylor is our guest brought to you by shelling materials the concrete and aggregate experts matt i'm not going to ask you anything in regards to why or, or the conduct that was lit that led to the suspension of tony brown and isaiah mckenzie but i will ask you schematically since you watch this team obviously every week and countless prep throughout the week how will their absence be felt if at all and how immediate will the absence be felt especially on special teams well, the special teams, you already found out. I mean, Tony Brown is a core special teams player, and it's just really unfortunate. There's no doubt about it. There's, because, I mean, you asked me, you, you stayed away, you know, what happened? I mean, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. So, um, you know, that one I don't have to, to dance around. I mean, it's, sure. it's it's very much a team issue, and they're keeping it in-house and uh, close to the vest, as they probably should. Um, but, you know, it, somebody made a really good point the other day. It's, it's not like this is a, you know, a 5-9 and nine football team. It's not like it's, a, you know, a Colts team that's, Gonna, gonna, you know, for sure miss the postseason, and they're trying to send a message, and it's all about kind of establishing the culture. I mean, it is, but in this situation, it's, 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 it's something where Shane Steichen saying, "I don't care if we're, 
you know, going to clinch a playoff spot this week or we're just kind of playing out the string and we're going to evaluate the roster for next year. No, it doesn't matter. Like, if you screw up and you don't hold yourself accountable um, and you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing, um, then, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are and what time of the season it's, it's at, um, there's going to be consequences. So, you know, from that standpoint, I do like it. I think it sends a message, and I think guys uh, respect that decision. Um, so you just have to, you know, you got to do your best, and you have to, you know, hold yourself accountable again on and off the field. And, um, you know, last week you saw – Josh Downs come in. I thought he did a really good job uh, of, of handling the, the punt and kick uh, kick return duties, especially there was one instance last week. I, I forget which quarter it was in. I think it was the third. Still a relatively tight game, and uh, the Steelers were playing field position, and they ripped off a really high, um, kind of like that rugby-style punt, and it just hung up in the air for a long, long time. And Downs had a great deal of concentration and, and brought it in, and he's not a guy that's obviously taken a lot of reps as the punt returner this year. So I thought he handled it really, really well. Um, but, yeah, not having Tony Brown is big, too. I mean, he's a core special teams guy. He's part of a block uh, punt already this year. Uh, he covers kicks. He covers punts. Um, and he's also great in the return game, too, setting up returns for other guys. Um, you know, that, that's one thing that needs to be corrected these last two games. You've had, you know, Matt Gay missing some kicks. You've had uh, a block punt. You've had a muffed punt. You've had some big kickoff returns allowed. The special team's leaky faucet has to kind of get turned off uh, in order for these last three games to go well for the Colts, considering the margin of error they have. You mentioned Matt Gay. I want to get to that. I know you do too, Jimmy. Beforehand, to put a bow tie on or a tie on, um, this conversation about the the two players that we now know are, are gone and Isaiah McKenzie and Tony Brown. From Brown's standpoint, Matt, you know, he is a guy that primarily special teams, but was an available body in the defensive backfield if you needed to go there. I think he struggled in that role, but he was a player that could be plugged in there. Do they do something or, or, or bring somebody in now that is another emergency defensive back in that situation? Well, I, I think Tony Brown is a really serviceable nickel corner. And, and you, to your point, you know, they had to experiment with him on the outside in that Cleveland game, and it, it certainly didn't go well. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I think in terms of his – uh, you know his value on defense. I think he's a pretty good nickel corner. I mean, obviously Kenny Moore is one of the best in the game, but you know you can play and, and get by with Tony Brown. I mean, that's you know, using the the phrase "get by" is probably a disservice to him. But you, you follow me what I'm saying. But right. you know that's where Nick Cross comes in. Nick Cross has been cross training and backing up three different positions this year. He's been backing up free safety, strong safety, and in a pinch, they can trust him to play nickel corner as well. So I think that's where you're going to you're gonna feel the difference of, of Tony Brown's absence. It, it's just more on, on Nick Cross's plate as he continues to get more playing time here late in the season. Matt, I know that I believe, if I heard Eddie correctly, that he did practice today, but Matt Gay appears on the Colts injury report yesterday. They call yep. it a right hip. I know we're getting speculative, but he's had a couple of hiccups over the last few weeks. Has that been an acknowledgement by the Colts that that is tied together, or are they not correlated? Are they just mere coincidences, and it's just something they're monitoring with him? 
Well, nothing verbally. I mean, I don't think Shane Steichen's been asked about it because, you know, the last time he spoke with reporters was before the injury report came out yesterday, which had Matt Gay on it as a limited participant, as you said, with that right hip injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's been – the last two weeks have been a very uncharacteristic for, for Matt. I mean, he's missed four kicks in the last two games, including an extra point, a couple of those under 40 yards. Uh, I think it's the first time – you know, last week was the first time he had missed two field goals in a game since his rookie season back in 2019. So he's really been the model of consistency, um, you know, with the Rams and, and now here with the Colts. Um, but yeah, it, it's concerning again because now you're talking about uh, a kicker that, you know, you want to be really trustworthy with over 50. Um, but, you know, he started the year five for five, but but since he's just two for his last six on kicks over 50 yards. And, you know, inevitably you're going to need that at the end of the half or end of the game with all these games coming down to the wire. You'd like to have a healthy Matt Gay, but, you know, it's it's not as if there is another kicker on the practice squad. I mean, they they don't have another kicker on their team, which tells me, you know, the inference that I'm making there, it's got to be minor and manageable um, because, again, there's nobody else in the practice squad. They haven't made any other moves, and they haven't brought any, anybody else in here, to my knowledge, to, to work out in case they need to sign somebody in a pinch if, if Matt Gay is – on a, uh, uh, you know unavailable to play and and you know uh, not healthy enough to to give it a go. So um, yeah, it's something definitely to monitor. Uh, when when everybody saw that yesterday, their their eyebrows kind of you know perked up a little bit. But yeah, there's no doubt Matt Gay is going to be a huge part of this team's success um, to whatever degree in the last three games. And you just hope that that hip injury doesn't um, you know prevent him from knocking down some big kicks. Matt Taylor is our guest. Of course, he is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Colts in Atlanta coming up this weekend. Matt, this time of year, you know, there's really two ways, two styles of teams that are in playoff contention. One is a team that does something so exceptional or plays in such a style that they have so patented that they're basically like, come and get us. See if you can beat it. See if you can stop us. The other is a team that might be somewhat limited, and as a result of that, they come up with different wrinkles and game plans to throw off the opponent and come from areas that you least expect it. Which team is this Colts team? Well, I think right now they're a little bit of both, to be honest with you, because, you know, Gardner Minshew's playing really, really well. I mean, he had his best game of the season last week. He had three passing touchdowns at three different guys. His passer rating was 123. Um, you know, and the Colts are creative in the sense that, you know, schematically they're hitting you with different things every week, a couple of different wrinkles from Shane Steichen. I think that's where you're feeling his presence this year compared to the last couple of years, kind of being game plan specific, um, you know, an opponent defensive uh, specific. Um, but also, too, you know, kind of kind of predictable in that, hey, when it's time for us to take over the game, we can do that. And the offensive line can do that. I mean, I mean that that, that – Possession last week where they ran it 13 straight times and just completely dominated the Steelers, that was reminiscent of 2018-2019 of when the Colts certainly had the identity of you know being one of the best ground-and-pound teams with um, you know Marlon Mack at the time and then Jonathan Taylor in 2020. So I think the Colts can hit you with a couple of different ways. And I know, I know Shane didn't like that question that I posed to him earlier this week. You know, he's kind of a modest guy, but I said – 
you know, the, the way you beat the Steelers, man, that was Steichen Bowl. And you go back to his in, uh, initial uh, introductory press conference, he says, we're going to throw to score and we're going to run to win. And that's exactly how last Saturday went, where they scored 30 straight points uh, after getting down early 13 to nothing. And then they were able to take control of the game by uh, some big plays through the air. They had a 42-yarder to Pittman, a 34-yarder to Montgomery. They had the big strike for a tight end to Mo Alley Cox for a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, in, in the late stages of this, the third quarter and fourth quarter, they just completely took the will uh, and the aggressiveness out of that Steelers defensive front by just pounding them with the ground game. So I think this Colts team is kind of like the New England Patriots from a model standpoint. You know, back in the day with uh, Brady and Belichick, it's like there's different ways to win a football game. There's a different way to win each game each Sunday, and the Colts are going to do whatever it takes to win that game, where some days it's scoring 30, 35 points, and there's going to be other games, you know, in Carolina or in, uh, in, in Germany against New England where it's it's really important for us today to not turn the football over and play conservative and, and put the trust in our defense. Um, so each week is kind of a, a different proposition for this Colts team, and I like that about the, the Colts under Shane Steichen, that they're being really game-specific and kind of being multitudes or having a multitude of ways, I should say, of, of moving the football and scoring points on offense. He is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, presented by Shelly Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Matt, anytime someone prefaces it like this, I understand it's going to sound negative, but I'm not trying to undercut what the Colts have done because I do believe Shane Steichen belongs in the Coach of the Year conversation. Honestly, I think that that last game against the Texans, if it's for the division, could decide that award because D'Amico Ryans made a solid case as well against Houston, but I digress. We had Nick Cross on earlier this week, and I asked him the same question I'm going to ask you. He gave me the player answer, which I expected, which is we just got to keep grinding, keep working hard, keep putting our effort out there, and it'll take care of itself. When you look at this Colts team defensively, because I think there are still weaknesses there, especially in the secondary at times, what about the way they play is repeatable when the competition gets tougher? In other words, when they close with Houston and then whoever they draw in the playoffs what would you push back against for somebody that says, well, yes, they've played great, especially on that side of the ball, the sack numbers included, but look at who they've played. What is repeatable for them when the competition gets elevated should they make the postseason? Well, I think it's the pass rush. I mean, I think right now not only is it is it repeatable, but it has been repeatable. And, you know, you're taking advantage of, of who you're playing. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, specifically within each team uh, or the opposition, you know, you, you've, you've been able to rack up a high sack total against some formidable offensive line units. Um, and that, to me, is the most encouraging thing about the Colts', the Colts chances, you know, these last three games and should they make the playoffs. Th- those things carry over. And you know, if if you end up playing outside in the month of January, uh, where it's cold and it's nasty, that's the part that typically shows up. You're still able to get after the the quarterback, and it's it's the sack diversity right now. I mean, you've got 14 different players on this Colts team with at least a half sack. Uh, I think you have four different guys with at least seven sacks. Um, Samson Ebicom is having a career year. He's got nine and a half sacks. So they're they're hitting you with. Um, you know, multi uh, layers, if you will, right? When that front four, uh, when those, when that front four, um, you know, the, the the defensive line, when those top four guys go out, another four come in. You know, like Tyquan Lewis 
and Eric Johnson. And, you know, you've got on the outside Daiwa Dangbo and Quiddy Pay, and then you're hitting them with, you know, some reserve players um, that, that are still getting after the quarterback like Jake Martin. I mean, some of these guys are really unsung heroes uh, within that defensive line that are doing the dirty work and some things that are not showing up in the box score. Is so Dio that, is Dio most important outside of DeForest, would you say, along the trenches? I think it's Samson. I yeah, think Samson's really? really turning into a terrific player. Not to take anything away from sure. Dio Adangbo, but I, I just think the consistency of Samson Ebicom, I don't have it written down in front of me, but I did it the other day. You look at his last five games, I think he's got like – five sacks and like 10 quarterback hits and a bunch of tackles for loss. I mean, he's really coming on and he's got, I think a sack and a half and three of the last four ball games for him. Um, so he, he's really kind of turning into a force off the edge. And again, not to take anything away from anybody else that's been there. Um, but the, the sack numbers, the overall pressure numbers, I mean, that's leading to the takeaways too, right? You're, you're talking about hurried throws and overthrows that are leading to the interceptions. I mean, Julian Blackman's pick the other day, that was a clear or a classic case of, you know, that's an errant throw by Trubisky, and it goes right into the lap of Julian Blackman and a takeaway for the Colts. And, you know, same thing, you had EJ Speed ripping the ball out of Harris. And there's Blackman. One play later, they take advantage and, and hit uh, uh, Mo Ali Cox for a touchdown. So it's complimentary football like that that I think is transferable into the postseason. But to your point, Jimmy, I think you're, you're. I think it's fair to acknowledge that you know during this run for the Colts, they haven't had to play the San Francisco's and the Philadelphia's, and they haven't had to play Dallas. Right? They're playing a lot of parity teams. You know, they're playing Tennessee and Cincinnati and Tampa and Pittsburgh, but that's what most of the league is, and you got to, you have to separate yourself from those teams in order to make the playoffs. Then get a chance to play, you know, Kansas City, Miami, and whomever might be there in, in the postseason. Yeah, I don't fault them for that, right? You play what's there. I get it. Yeah. Hey, Matt, if you were to poll NFL players, take a survey. Do you, do you think that they would say their favorite reindeer is Blitzen or Vixen? Which one do you think ranks higher? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're on defense, how can you not go with blitzes? <laughs> I know, but well, if you're on offense, Vixen might be your uh, your deer there, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, they they probably have a play call this this time of year because everything's really you know game specific or time of year specific or opponent specific. You know, like we we talked with Shane Steichen, like one of those trick plays they had for the Patriots game. Uh, they had it up on their call sheet. They called it Germany. Well, they didn't run it in Germany, but they ran it a couple of weeks later, I think, against uh, Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. But they, they kept it in the playbook. The the play call was Germany. So maybe this week the Colts have a uh, a blitz on defense coming off the edge, you know, a little, uh, you know, hey, it's Christmas Eve. You, well, know. you can't call it blitzing, though. You'd have to call it, like, y- y- something else, right? I mean, you have to get – yeah, not, maybe not it's Prancer, like, I guess, but you know what I mean? Dasher, like, Comet. I don't Comet, know. yeah, Comet's not bad. Yeah, 329 eggnog party at the quarterback or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, do you think – so, like, Peyton Manning was so famous, obviously, for the for all of the, the, the theatrics, right, at the line and all of the fake – you know, now we know. The, yeah, the I dummy mean, calls, right? Yeah. The dummy calls, right? Is that esoteric to Peyton Manning, do you think, or is that something – was he just the best at it, but every quarterback does it? 
No, I think everybody does that. But I think I think Peyton took it to a new level. Like I think it was really extreme. You know, I mean, even even guys that that played with him will tell you, like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't even know what that means. I think he's just shouting things to shout things to keep the. But do you <laughs> the think they have a little bit? Do you think they have Matt? Matt Taylor's our guest, and this stuff is pretty fascinating. I think to people, like for example. You know, Manning would come out and be yelling out, you know, Louisville Soul Train, Louisville Soul Train. And then, but somewhere in there would be a word that was a code word to the line, meaning, right, right. meaning this is all bunk, so tune me out. So as soon as they hear chocolate, they know that that means everything I'm saying is false. Right. Do, they st- do you think they still do it in that form? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a third base coach. You know, like as soon as you see the one thing you're looking for, he's going to give you a bunch of other hand signals and gyrations and movements. But, you know, it's all just for show to keep the the other dugout at bay once you see, hey, the bunt is on based on what I saw. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, Reggie Wayne a couple of weeks ago, I think it was Stephen Holder who did a story about that similar topic and he asked Reggie Wayne about some of the stuff that Peyton used to do with the line of scrimmage um, and Reggie said like he's just shouting like people's girlfriends and their wives names out the line of scrimmage they're like who's who's Jane who's Paula I don't even know who you're talking right. about you know what I mean just to to get that extra edge and that's what this game is you're, you're just trying to get such a you know any sort of advantage or edge you can at the line of scrimmage to put just a shadow of a doubt into those defenders' heads so that they're playing just a half a second, you know, or a fraction of a second slower in their reads off the line of scrimmage and off the ball, just so you get that leverage, you know, with a slot receiver on the edge, or you're trying to get that that deep shot down the field. That's what this game is. It, it's all cat and mouse, and Peyton was uh, he was the maestro of that. See, see, Matt, here's the thing: the segment that we do with you is the Louisville Soul of this radio program, meaning that this is the part where that's what you want to hear and see from the third base coach. The rest of it, all completely crap, right? I mean, my my part, absolutely, hundred percent. There's no doubt about that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we, it's, it's Christmas, man. Let's just have some fun and <laughs> that's let's right. Just, let's just fill it up. We'll fill up the airwaves, and hopefully, you can learn something from you know a twenty minute conversation. When here. you were a kid, tell me the Christmas gift that you most remember begging santa for that you wanted more than any other during your childhood oh it was sega yes 100 percent sega yeah i mean i i remember it like it's yesterday i walked down and i don't know about you guys but did santa wrap your presents or did he just lay them out no wrapped. santa wrapped he wrapped it at the time yep did he no see, see santa at my house see my my mom my mom and dad would wrap presents but santa would just drop off the big stuff Ooh, okay. that's how it worked well uh but i I'll, I'll never forget when santa dropped off uh you, had, you had a union santa <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my um my, my Santa was, uh, he was hourly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he, he burnt the early hours at Jimmy's house and my house wrapping gifts and was out of time, right? Uh, but yeah, Santa actually took the time to like hook up Sega. Remember you had to have the co-ox that went from the TV to Sega? Sure. You know, you had to have that little splitter there. And now Santa, you say Sega, was, I say Sega. You you go Sega, is that right? Say Sega. Sega? What What am I saying? Sega? I think you said it's, Sega. It, it, it's Sega? Sega, right? Like S A Y G. I know it's spelled S E G A. I've but, heard it both ways. Okay, so so you had actually, and this is impressive. Actually, you had a, a fully electronic savvy Santa. Yeah, I mean, he took the time, took wow. it out of the box, unwrapped it, installed it, hooked it up, and 
like the actual cartridge, Sonic the Hedgehog cartridge was already in it. All I had to do is man, you know, flick flick on the power button on on Sega, and I was ready to roll. I got Sonic the Hedgehog. I got Joe Montana football, 1994. That was the, which, Bill Walsh's college football was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you no, got a cartridge I mean, I and a pear tree. Play, That's pretty awesome. I play <laughs> on Joe Montana over and over for touchdowns. And uh, NHL 94, I mean, nice. remember those days where you could, like, do up, down, left, right, A, Listen, B, A, B. That was the code to, like, get all the, the all-stars on the same Matt, team or whatever. I have told the story here before many times. The NHL, you want to talk about the, the beauty of video games and its translation to young people – when I was in college, so I'm obviously a few years older than you, but when I was in college and NHL 94 came out, literally every college guy in America had a favorite NHL team and favorite player. Pavel Bure was a huge one on that game. Yeah, yeah. Based on that, and, and I mean, guys were chomping at the bit for the NHL season because they suddenly, it was a newfound toy, the, this new league that everybody was super into because of that video game, and then the NHL went on lockout. And by the time they came back, man, everybody was on to something different. They were on to yep. the new next fad. And it was FIFA's it was done totally that to agree. some extent to a smaller level with What's soccer. That? Like a lot of people in totally. my generation totally. might not be soccer That's fans. That's why IndyCar has tried desperately to get a video game going, right? Because it's, it's did, just did such they, a huge... Did they have a video game at one point? Didn't they have a game on PlayStation? Well, they did. So IndyCars had different variations years ago. I mean, it, Michael Andretti had one and things like that. But in terms yeah. of the newest like installation thereof, they had one that they were developing for right now. And the company that they partnered with, I think backed out of the project or or went under or something like that so they're kind of back to square one unfortunately um but like formula one i think it's done a lot for it too right i mean all those i mean we we played that game non that nba jam joe montana football i mean the the sound effects like the grunting and the hitting at the line of scrimmage on joe montana football just like if i heard that right now it would transport me childhood right yeah, it would transport me into my living room with like my four buddies from uh, oh, elementary school, listen. plus like my three buddies that lived down the street in my neighborhood. <laughs> like that would just transport me to like uh, a big bowl of Doritos and popcorn sitting right next to me, playing that for about eight hours. Just on a don't night. transport yourself back to Christmas Eve at about eleven o'clock because Santa doesn't want anybody watching <laughs> and putting things together. That's he's all still, part of the yeah. surprise, right? He's still out his time card at that point. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Matt, Merry Christmas, man. Have a safe trip down to Atlanta. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. I appreciate you guys. You have a good holiday. All you right, too. you too. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, courtesy of Shelby Materials.